How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Panel time here on SENZ, which is great. And, uh, two really interesting panellists today. Ricky Swinnell, of course, of Sky Sport fame, commentates uh, most sports uh, that we cover on Sky these days. Uh, and, of course, she's part of the SENZ team in the afternoon on Drive. And Jimmy Case, who's, uh, uh, of course, doing all sorts of things, including including producing uh, for Sky Sport, a noted uh, author as well on a number of uh, issues, but predominantly rugby. But first of all, Ricky... Good morning to you. Welcome home. Uh, that's the main thing. Safe and sound. Morning. Um, thank you. Yes, thank yes. you. Yes. Uh, now, of course, we've seen the downside, the sad side of sport uh, with the passing of Olivia Podmore. And it's brought up a lot of issues, uh, of course, Ricky, which you'll have uh, been across, no doubt. And then you balance that against the joy of success uh, are the athletes that were released from MIQ yesterday and the joy on the faces of the youngsters meeting their idols who had been winners and they saw and touched those medals. It's a fine balance between those pressures and those rewards, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, and look, we were on the flight home as the news about Olivia Podmore came through. We had many of the cyclists um, on our flight and, and obviously the news came through just at the airport. And it is because it was such joy yesterday, wasn't it? I mean, gosh, we've watched so much emotional highs and lows in the, in the last kind of month. And that is why we love sport, don't we? We love that we can be glued to something and we've seen these athletes, you know, express themselves in such a way, yet high-performance sport is, is very cutthroat as well. It has got a lot of flaws and the Olympics has got a lot of flaws and it is a really fine balance. And, and I, you know, I wonder sometimes if in New Zealand sport and, and with the administration of it and a lot of the same people go, go round and round and, and a lot of... Uh, the administrative side and, and you know some people are excellent but I wonder if there is enough athlete voice if there's enough young young voice um, at, at the hierarchy level for some of these sports to address these issues because as you know Smithy athletes are very different these days to, to even a generation ago not even 10 years ago and how open they are how uh, how aware they are of social issues of, of their own mental health and all of those things but it's you know seeing those kids yesterday um, I guess for many of those athletes is, is the reason right that's the why to, to be able to see that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I'll add more vulnerable as well to that list, Ricky, that you just yeah. read out. So, you know, much, much, much more vulnerable. Jimmy, good morning to you. Um, yeah, it has been an odd sort of a week. Uh, you've covered a lot of, of sport over the years, a lot of, high, a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Uh, and now we see the, the athletes emerging from quarantine. And finally, I think uh, we can get to smile and, and live a bit of success again. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful contrast, or a beautifully sad contrast in many ways, isn't it? I hadn't sort of thought of it in those terms, Smithy, but you're dead right, and you painted a beautiful picture of it. That that line between ecstasy and agony is so slim, isn't it? You know, you think of some of the greatest sporting moments in New Zealand, and some of them actually involve uh, a mistake or, or an error. Or, you know, I think of Jeff Wilson with the board knocked out of his hands by George Gregan. It's an enduring memory, isn't it? Um, I, I think mm. of Tim Horan turning the All Blacks inside out in, in Dublin in 1991. It's an enduring memory, but so too Jonah Lomu, you know. And, and if you might cat, you're looking at it in a very different way, you know. And, and, and I guess that is what draws us to sport is that um, that flip of the coin between oh my God, think of think of the cricket. We don't really want to, but the one day final. Did you <laughs> commentated it? The, the, the fine line between agony and ecstasy there. Um, it's it's that. It's what draws us to sport. It's what makes us love sport. But you're dead right. Sometimes it's um, sometimes it's tough. It's really tough to take. And, and clearly, with our athletes, just like with so many of our teenagers, we need to wrap more around them to make sure that they're going to be okay. Because we have an, a, a huge issue, not just in high performance sport, but as you two both well know, in New Zealand in terms of mental health, and let's be frank about it, in terms of suicide. Um, you know, there's people that we know. There's a person, there's a bloke that we know very well, Martin Devlin, who attempted to take his life. You know, these things, they do come very close to home. And as friends, as employers, as family members, as fans, as whatever we might be, we need to do better. And I think yeah, just on, I, carrying I, on from that, sorry, Smithy, I was just going to say, carrying on from that, I, I wonder too with, with sport is that, the highs are so very, very high, which means the crashes can be so very, very low as well. And, and mm-hmm. I think even for those who achieved what they wanted to, who, who won a gold medal or, or, or came away with a medal, um, that crash will, will still come in the next few weeks when life quietens down again. And that's what happens for a lot of our Olympians. They don't get the 24-7 adoration and coverage. And so there, there is that crash. And, and I guess it's it's remembering that an athlete is part of who they are. That success is part of who they are. It's not all of who, who somebody is in, in whatever walk of life that is. Yeah, also too, Ricky, uh, um, you know, I think we've got a responsibility in, in the media here to play a part. Now, this is a story coming through this morning about Naomi Osaka again breaking down at a press conference when a media person has accused her of using the media to her advantage. Now, uh, that's pretty brutal stuff. I, I can't imagine too many New Zealand press people would take an individual on in that way, but they're a bit more brazen over there, a bit more demanding for the scoop, for the headline, perhaps, than we even are here. Um, but I think the media have a role to play here, even though we're all searching for that scoop, aren't we? Can, can I ask yeah, that? Oh, you go. I, I, think, I think that's a disgraceful question by that person because there is a relationship between the media and whoever we're dealing with, whether it be a politician, a police officer, uh, a, a, a sports person, that is often mutually advantageous or, or sometimes advantageous to one party and not the other. And, and as journalists, as a journalist, I've, I've been in a position where I've been advantaged by talking to a sports person or to a politician or to a police officer. And, and to say you... To accuse her, her of taking advantage of the media is just rubbish. That's, the, the, that's a fact of life. 
you know? Like, like we got, I got um, Mark Robinson on the show on the breakdown last night because we wanted to take advantage of that. We wanted to take advantage of his position as CEO. And, and, just, you know, and he wanted to take advantage of the fact that he was on the show to put across his side of, of events. That is the reality of the media. And to ask that question is just, it's, it's naive, it's ignorant, and it's quite frankly disgraceful. Ricky. Yeah, look, I think the media is a, is a, a look, it's a, it's a wonderful industry. It is robust. It's, you know, it's why we, why we love it. Um, but it's also a very insular industry. And, and sometimes we have a, a sense of, of, of being a bit holier than thou. Um, and, you know, and, and look, I've sat in some of those press conferences at, at a big Grand Slam in tennis, so some of those big world events. And you, you can see the different attitudes of, of different outlets. And yes, some it is, it's trying to get a scoop. Some more, there are people who vehemently believe that Naomi Osaka is absolutely in the wrong for everything that she has done recently, and it won't change that. But there's, also, uh, there's some more... Uh, power dynamics as well, um, particularly a sport like tennis, a big global sport where you often have older men um, in a barrage at, at younger women, um, which is an interesting power dynamic in itself. So, um, But I, I think you are right in that we all in, in media as well have to look at what we are getting from it, what we want from something, what we're chasing and, and what we are doing to the, to the person um, that is behind the athlete. Hey, great thoughts. Naomi uh, Osaka. Uh, really pa- passionate thoughts. Yeah, Jimmy, yeah, go Naomi ahead, Osaka, mate. she's got 2.8 million Instagram followers. You tell me why she needs the media. You know? She, she, could, she could deliver her message directly to her fans and never do a press conference in her life. So you, there just needs to be a little bit of perspective on, on some of these things. Similarly, there was a piece written uh, by Mark Hinton about how the the All Blacks, uh, fans have fallen out of love with the All Blacks, and part of his contention was uh, that the All Blacks don't do enough media, you know? Well, we all like to believe that, but the reality is the All Blacks have got 4 million Facebook followers. They've got nearly 2 million Instagram followers. You tell me a news organisation in New Zealand that can compete with that. So we just need to be a little bit careful here about where we position ourselves as the media because social media has gone so far past for a lot of these athletes that they don't need mainstream media. And, and, and we, we might be upset about that, and sometimes it really pisses me off. I've got to, got to be honest, you know. But, but the reality is they can go directly to their fans now. They do not need mainstream media as a conduit. So we just need a little bit of perspective, I think, sometimes in terms of um, our criticism of athletes for, for not dealing with mainstream media. Great thoughts, uh, actually. Uh, Tim uh, Tim Horan was with us too uh, before we had the panel. Uh, interesting updates there on uh, Totoi Kefu's situation. We might touch on that after the break if you two will stay with us. Jim Kay's Ricky Swinnell. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Yeah, it's uh, 10.34 here on SCNZ. We're right in the middle of a very, very good and emotional panel this morning on uh, a number of issues. Uh, let's uh, let's be a little bit uh, a little bit more on the upside, shall we? Uh, let's, uh, Jimmy, on the show breakdown uh, last night, the greatest loose forward trio in the history of the All Blacks, Jones, McCaw, Brock. Yeah, unanimous. Yeah, it was pretty unanimous. I mean, the, the only one uh, that was really sort of debated was Blindside Flanker because 
Yeah, you know, Michael Jones, such a wonderful open side flanker. Also played 19 of his 55 tests at blindside, including for the All Blacks in the 96 series win in South Africa. And I don't know about you two, but, you know, you've got to have Michael Jones somewhere in the greatest ever All Blacks 15. So moving him to blindside was the solution there. Uh, really no argument over Zinzan Brook. Anyone who watched Zinzan Brook play, just a magnificent player. And I guess a bloke at open side picks himself just in the way that that, that actually... Uh, Halfback and ten are picking themselves at the moment uh, too. That'll be pretty straightforward as well. But yeah, the, a fair bit of debate around around blindside flanker because Jerome Kano absolutely outstanding, but missed out to uh, to Michael Jones. And Ricky was part yeah, of the uh, expert panel, so she's probably got a view on this. Oh, Ricky, well, okay. <laughs> so I actually had somebody message me um, on Instagram this morning saying, "Oh, good choices for nine and ten and and, you know, in the wonders of television, we can probably divulge that that was recorded a wee while back. And I absolutely can't remember who I picked. And I'm just trying to remember now. I know I picked Brooke, and I, I know I picked in and Brooke. I know I picked Richie Wall. But, but was I the contrarian who picked, who picked Jerome Kano? Or did I – I feel like yeah, I made a case sure, for him at I'm, least. Yeah, you and Ken Laban went for uh, – you and Ken Laban went for Jerome, and Nisbo and yeah. Phil Gifford went for Michael Jones. Yeah. So we had to call in – uh, the arbitrator, uh, Sir Graham Henry, and, and he plumbed for um, uh, Michael Jones. Interesting that in the voting, uh, Jerry Collins was 2% ahead of Jerome and a couple of percent, percentages behind them was, was Michael. So, yeah, interesting. I think, you know, recency bias is something that we're, that we're sort of careful of mm. taking into consideration. Yeah, I think okay, with then, one, Ricky. it was just difficult with, with, with Michael Jones, wasn't it? Because of of having to try and slot him in, um, but you know, was blindside flanker his best position? And and look, I I plump for Jerome Kano, but, and and I know you remember it well, Smithy. Particularly when I think yeah. to the, I, I I think the 2011 Rugby World Cup was won in the semi final by the tackle he made um, on on Digby Iwani. That's you know, um, mm. that was that was yeah. when for me that that is that's Jerome Kano's career. But I mean, gee, you hard pressed to, to make an argument against Michael Jones as well. Michael Jones, I should say too, um, as well. But yeah, yeah, it was it's a it was an interesting exercise, the whole thing. Um, and yes, because obviously I am a little bit younger than than some of the other panelists. There were, <laughs> were players I never saw play. Um, that the likes of that Nisbo and and, and Phil Gifford. So I was kind of the youth boat a little bit. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun. We and there's some yeah, there were some interesting decisions and discussions had. Uh, look, I, I'm I'm Michael Jones, out and out Michael Jones fan. I, I can recall those glory days, uh, Jimmy. Uh, he just was. Uh, you know, if I look at a player that could perhaps, from his era, um, make the adjustment necessary uh, to play the game, it should be played today or has to be played under legislation. Uh, there's a bloke with the most natural ability and speed, etc. I think could could jump the fence uh, easier than most. But having said that, Jimmy, Akira Yuwani uh, has uh, in the last two weeks. Um, I, I think he's answered a few questions, hasn't he? I think he's been extremely good, yeah. And, and he's, he's now showing some of the potential that we, we all saw in him. He's, he's, we know he's big and strong and all those sorts of things, but the little show and go that he produced uh, to then give the ball to DMAC, who then gave it on to, um, to Brady Retallick, that, that was wonderful rugby. So, yeah, he's starting to really show what we think he... What, what you know, even one who's seen him play... Thinks he can do on a consistent. He's just got to do it on that consistent basis, and and you know I think we've got so uh, again another loose forward that excites me is Dalton Dalton Papali'i, 
Um, so, there, you know, we, we have been a factory of loose boards in New Zealand. And when you do something like I've done with, with the greatest All Blacks and you just see so many. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Ian Kirkpatrick as a blindside flanker. Uh, we haven't mentioned Kieran Reid, Buck Shelford, Murray Mixed, Brian Lahore as number eights. We're, we're just full of these wonderful players. But yet today's generation, I think, just as exciting as, as some of the ones that have gone before. Yeah, and I, I guess it's such a, diff- a different game. Sorry, Go Smithy. No, I was just going to say, um, you, were you concerned about uh, half for Eden Park? I was just going to say, you, you know, from yeah. you, I mean, you're watching, I, I assume from MIQ, you weren't able to get to the ground, but uh, very no. concerning, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I was, I didn't see the first test because we were still in Olympics mode then. I think it was cycling that night. Um, but watching, yes, in the very comfortable MIQ surrounds in Christchurch, which I must say we're very grateful about how we are being looked after. Um, was I, I was shocked when I turned the TV on, to be honest. And I look, I, I know there are extenuating factors um, in terms of the, you know, the changes that had to be made, the, the backing up at Eden Park um, and all of that. Uh, but I, look, I think we keep talking about, about the same things. And, and, you know, as Jim brought up that conversation about Mark Hinton and falling out of love with the All Blacks or whatever, the sport now competes as an entertainment package. You're competing against... Netflix um, and all those great TV shows, you're competing against so many things and people have only got so much disposable income. So you can't just think we're going to throw on an All Blacks game and if you build it, they will come. But, you know, it doesn't work like that anymore. You have to look at what are we doing before the game? How are people getting there? What's the food situation like? What are we doing mid-match? So many other things. Uh, How are we catering to families? And look, I think the days of going to a rugby game and having a soggy pie and cold chips which cost you 20 bucks and a warm beer just aren't on anymore it doesn't cut it Um, and I think our whole sport as an event package we're not doing that well in New Zealand across many many sports at the moment when you see what other stadiums what other codes and everything can do internationally and, and I think we need a lot of fresh thinking and a lot of new ideas about how to get bums back on seats in stadia because people being in a stadium also affects us, us in terms of the TV side. Who's watching? If you go, you see something, you see a full stadium, you think, man, I want to be there. If I can't be there, I'm going to tune in because otherwise I'm going to miss out on something. And that's what we're not creating, I don't think, in sport across the board in New Zealand at the moment. Mm, interesting indeed. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, guys. It was a very good and informative and emotional panel this morning. I absolutely loved it. And you're both absolutely invited back at some stage in the early future. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.